0: For something We're going to bring, bring it all together. It's the bottom line, bottom, line, bottom, line, bottom line. ESPN Radio, 1300 92.5. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor. You are listening live here on a Sunday morning. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. 859 381 1313, if you'd like to call and join in on the conversation. Good morning, Miss Judy. Please take your meds this morning. Uh, You can email the show anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And you can follow us and chime in on Twitter anytime at bottomlinelex. On today's show, the official bottom line countdown to the SEC tournament is now down to 17 days. Remember we started this at 73? Seems like a long time ago. It's exactly eight weeks. The smaller that number becomes, though, the more people of the Big Blue Nation realize how important that number really is. Our unranked Traps took down another win yesterday, straight up and against the spread. We'll have a few more of those for this week coming up later, including a battle for the number one seed in a region in the tournament, probably. We have a local team that's cashing tickets at a crazy rate, and you aren't paying any attention, but we are. So we're going to expose them for the moneymaker that they are this season. And our Bracketology 101 class continues, getting you ready for the NCAA Tournament with Selection Sunday. Now just 21 days away, we will be looking at the best and worst coaches that cash your tickets and burn your brackets in March. And of course, the most profitable segment at Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks. All this and much, much more. Coming up on today's edition of Lexington's fastest-growing sports talk radio show. But first, Jim Morris. Who is Jim Morris? No, no, not the lead singer of the Doors from back in the day. That was Jim Morrison, Mr. Mojo Rising himself. That was a great movie back in 1991, back in my formative years, when I was learning about life and seeing how the Doors ran across the world around here. Yeah, Val Kilmer, before his health problems. Meg Ryan, Oliver Stone, good stuff. I enjoyed that movie. Oliver Stone was still making good movies at that point. Something happened along the way, but I digress. But Jim Morris, they also made a movie about him. In fact, Disney made that movie, so you know it had to be legit. In 1999, Jim Morris was a 35-year-old high school baseball coach in Texas. He was married, he had three kids, he had been teaching science at a high school where he was the baseball coach. He'd been doing that for 10 years. And he was throwing around the baseballs during practices so impressively that his players would beg him to try out for the major leagues. You know, kind of like Willie Mays Hayes just showed up in spring training for Cleveland one time and sprinted so fast in those pajamas that they found him a uniform. Yeah, it was that realistic. But this is a true story. Jim Morris made a promise with his baseball team that if they won the district tournament, he would go try out for a major league team at the age of 35. So, of course, his team won the district for the first time in his 10 years of coaching. Wow. 10 years, first district tournament championship. Around here, if the baseball coach doesn't win a district for 10 years, they have fired multiple coaches in that time. But I digress. So Morris shows up at a tryout camp for the Tampa Bay Rays in 1999. Easily the worst franchise in all of Major League Baseball at the the time. And the scout running the tryout wanted nothing to do with this old guy. But he said he would let Morris pitch just so that he could tell the team that he actually fulfilled his promise of going to a tryout after his team won a district championship. So who could blame the scout for not wanting this guy? This guy's 35 years old thinking he could pitch in the major leagues. Seriously? Why are you wasting our time? Okay, so let's let him throw a few pitches, put it on a VHS tape. Yeah, that's what we used back in 1999, kids. VHS tapes. And then he can show it to his players, and then the players can laugh at him, and it'll all be over. But lo and behold, Jim Morris, he's got a heater. He goes out and throws. He gets on the mound, throws 12 consecutive pitches, Of at least 98 miles an hour. Wow. How can this be? This guy's 35 years old. It was 1999. The year after the infamous Mark McGuire-Sammy Sosa home run race. Which was filled with steroids. And there was no Major League Baseball steroid testing at the time. So was he really legit? Well, at that point, nobody cared. He signed a contract with Tampa Bay. By September of that same year, this 35-year-old high school science teacher and baseball coach was called up to the major leagues, struck out the first batter he ever faced. Morris went on to strike out 13 batters in his career over two seasons. Two seasons, only 13 strikeouts? That's not very many. Uh Uh-huh. Remember he tried out when he was 35 years old. And of course, it was such an amazing story that the movie The Rookie came out in 2002, Dennis Quaid played Jim Morris. And the movie made over $80 million at the box office. And the moral of the story is, it's never too late. Equate that to the current Kentucky basketball team. A team now sitting at 8-13 overall and 7-7 in the SEC after a big 70-55 win over number 19, for now, Tennessee yesterday, After losing to this same Tennessee team two weeks ago here in Lexington. And if you're a member of the Big Blue Nation, it's easy to jump back on this bandwagon thinking this team is going to make the tournament now. Don't need the SEC tournament. We can just win every game out, and that's what we're going to do. Well, those of us in the real world can see this for what it is. It's too late. And I get it, Big Blue Nation. A three-game winning streak changes everything. Because as we always say, winning is always the deodorant that covers up the stink. But in the eyes of the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee, a three-game winning streak in mid-February doesn't make up for the stink this team emitted for almost three months before this three-game winning streak. And while we were miserable here in Central Kentucky this week due to the snow, the ice, the COVID, what have you, The Kentucky basketball team escaped Lexington last weekend, and they stayed the entire week in the state of Tennessee. And with the negative energy in this town that surrounded this team all season, that could have been the best thing that happened to this team because they got to have a bonding experience that they never got this season due to the covid And what better way to have an us-against-the-world complex when nobody's giving us a chance to win, like a week alone in Tennessee, to prove your naysayers back home wrong? Because if we've learned anything from the Patriots and Bill Belichick, any time you see somebody with the nobody's giving us a chance to win mentality, that's a rallying cry like no other. Kentucky's improvement has come in the analytics department as well, This time last week, Kentucky was 61st in the Ken Pomeroy ratings. This morning, they're 48th. A four-point win at Vandy doesn't do much to improve your standing into those ratings, but a 15-point win at at Tennessee really does. And after the game yesterday, Calipari was a changed man too. No longer the surly, standoffish, and holier-than-thou Calipari who looks like he needed to shave? Maybe needed to comb his hair a little bit. Kyle Perry was back to his old egotistical self after yesterday's win. In fact, now he's trying to use those Jedi mind tricks on both his team and the Big Blue Nation by saying after the by saying after the game yesterday, "Can you imagine where we were four weeks ago?" So yeah, Cal's feeling good about himself again. And gone are the days that seem so long ago now where the Big Blue Nation was begging Cal to play Dante Allen because now that Kentucky's winning, nobody cares that Dante Allen only got two minutes of playing time yesterday and only got 15 minutes total in his th- during this three-game winning streak. The cries from the Big Blue Nation to play a kid from Kentucky. They don't care as long as you're winning, like we said. It's the deodorant that covers all the stink. But yesterday, Tennessee never recovered from Davion Mintz starting the game 4 for 4 from three-point land. The Vols could never make up that deficit for the whole game. Devin Askew and his terrible efficiency rating numbers, they still were enough to play 31 minutes with one turnover. And the reason why his numbers were decent, he only shot it four times. It's good to know who you are in life. Be self-aware. When you look in the mirror, know who you are. When Devin Askew doesn't shoot, he's realizing who he is. And, of course, Isaiah Jackson continues to be the best player on the team. Although only 21 minutes yesterday, he's still head and shoulders the best and most valuable player on this team, and the efficiency numbers tell that story. It's still amazing to me how Jackson has played in every game in this season, but still has 200 fewer minutes played than Askew or former NBA lottery pick B.J. Boston. But oh well, it's okay. As long as you're winning, none of that matters, does it? But Cal has the seven guys he wants now. Cal doesn't like playing nine guys or 11 or eight. He wants seven. He really wants six. He doesn't want seven. But he's got that now. And the fewer decisions Cal has to make about who to play and when to play them, especially this year, the better off this team is. And it's amazing how much smarter a coach looks when those three-point shots are falling in the basket. For most of the season, Kentucky ranked in the 300s nationally in three-point field goal percentage. As of this morning, they rank 195th. An amazing comeback. So don't kid yourself about Calipari's tweaks, and changes to things. Defense is one thing, and they've had that all year. But the three-pointers falling, that's the biggest reason this team has been winning games a little bit more lately. But of course, as always, with a struggling team, the most entertaining part of that team is their coach going to the post-game press conferences, win or lose, either in mourning over his loss or telling them Big Blue Nation that they told you so. And, of course, Cal, after the game yesterday, was in rare form again. Cal Perry, after the game, says, Tennessee's a top-20 team, a top-15 team, and they have a chance to get to the Final Four, and we did it. Now we keep building. Wow, don't break your arm patting yourself on the back there, Coach. Tennessee's a top-20 team. Well, they won't be after this week. Do they have a chance to get to the Final Four? Well, <laughs> just like Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying there's a chance. They don't have much of a chance. Come on, coach. Let's get real. Another quote from Cal yesterday. They, meaning Tennessee, weren't at their best. I know they are better than they've played, but we were at our best. Well, if they weren't at their best, why are you so happy that you beat them? Wouldn't you want to brag more about a team playing at the top of their level, too? Eh, just it. Calipari obviously been going to karaoke night lately. Because he quoted Journey when he told the players, allegedly, that he didn't stop believing in them. Uh Uh-huh. Sure he didn't. Look at those press conferences from a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago. You think he'd given up? Maybe just a little. And, of course, our favorite quote from the day, and the one that he actually got right, We may be running out of runway, but I'm finally seeing the team everybody wanted to see. There you go, coach. Now we're with you. Running out of runway is the best analogy Calipari has made about this team. They don't have enough time to change their regular season from a disappointment to a success. They have to wait for the SEC tournament. And of course, we said last week on this show, we don't like taking Calipari in the regular season against the spread in the SEC, especially in games where he's an SEC road underdog. Which he was yesterday, and going into yesterday, he was seven and fifteen against the spread in that spot. Well, make that eight and fifteen. We also said on last week's show, if you're going to give us six and more, six or more points in Kentucky, we'd probably be looking to take the cats. Well, we got seven and a half, and that was more than enough. And if you follow us on Twitter at BottomLineLex, you would have seen our quick handicap in this game where we reiterated this fact. So, if you enjoy. Not cashing tickets? Don't follow us if you'd like to cash a few tickets. Bottom line, Lex, that's where to follow us on Twitter. So now you can call this Kentucky basketball team butter because they're on a roll. Yep, see what I did there? That was terrible. I'm sorry. So, yeah, tough room. Most seasons, a three-game winning streak in February wouldn't invoke as many feelings as it does this year after a 5-13 and start, but welcome to 2021. Eight weeks ago, we started our official bottom line SEC tournament countdown at 73 days. And the reason we did that, because we knew at the time that winning the SEC tournament was the only way Kentucky could qualify for the NCAA tournament. And as silly as it seemed then, it still rings true eight weeks later. Despite Kentucky's three-game winning streak, the only way Kentucky makes the NCAA tournament still is if they play in and win a game three weeks from today, and that game would be the SEC Tournament Final. They have to be in that game, and they have to win that game. Anything else you read or see is just the media looking for views and clicks, and the Big Blue Nation being delusional and unrealistic. But then again, what else is new? So let's look forward for this Kentucky team Yesterday afternoon, Tuesday night's game with Texas A&M was postponed or canceled, whatever you want to call it. That leaves only two games left on Kentucky's schedule for the season. That means best case scenario at this moment, barring any schedule changes, the best record Kentucky can end up with is 10-13. and 13. You think that gets you to the NCAA tournament? I don't care who you are, it ain't happening. But I will tell you what tournament it does get them to, the NIT. The NIT this week, seeing the landscape of COVID college basketball, quote-unquote, changed their rules this week and said that a team under 500 is now eligible to play in the NIT when they weren't before. Huh. Kentucky, Duke, Michigan State, all under 500. Meet the new top three seeds in the NIT, ladies and gentlemen. Amazing how the rules change for certain teams, like Kentucky, Duke, and Michigan State, Amazing how that happens, huh? Oh, but that was just a coincidence due to the COVID, I'm sure. Uh Uh-huh. If you think that's only a coincidence, you obviously haven't listened to this show full of conspiracy theories. But you have to wonder if Kentucky would accept an IT bid if they were given it. If they don't make the NCAA tournament, of course. And yet another coincidence we heard this week. Calipari was quoted as saying, I'm friends with a few mid-major athletic directors, and we are trying to schedule a couple more games before the regular season ends. Oh, yeah? Exactly who are these mid-major athletic directors that you're buddies with, Coach? You can't tell us? Are they some big secret? Are you? Is it uh, some kind of code that we're not allowed to hear? Calipari can see the writing on the wall. He needs more wins to make the tournament. And at this point... Those wins could be anyone. Cal needs cupcakes. He needs cupcakes desperately. Because usually, he has like seven or eight in a row in November and December. And this year, he only had two. And one of those, he actually lost to Richmond. So Calipari's on the phones, cold calling everybody. And everybody who will listen at this point to get his team more games, a.k.a. more wins. Especially now that they seem to be playing a little bit better. But of course, Kentucky still has SEC games against Texas A&M and South Carolina they could reschedule. Outside of Vanderbilt, those are the two worst teams in the SEC, so getting those two games back on the schedule would help Kentucky's tournament resume. But let's look at the one game Kentucky actually has scheduled for this week. A home game next Saturday against Florida. Seems like a long time ago that Florida went down to Gainesville and they defeated the Gators by 18 when they were a 4-point underdog. Gators now sitting at 11 and 6 on the season, 7 and 5 in the SEC after a victory yesterday over Georgia. They've been something of a disappointment this season. Although there's 11 and 6 straight up, they're 8 and 9 against the spread. From a handicapping perspective, Florida under their coach Michael White He's been pretty good in the SEC when he's on the road. When Michael White and the Gators are on the road in the SEC, they cover 55.4% of the time. They're 46 up, 37 down. But on the road against Kentucky in five games, Michael White, one and four straight up, two and three against the spread. So the Cats have gotten the better of the Gators here in Lexington. And as we've always detailed on this show, Calipari struggles against the spread in the SEC. In home games in the SEC, Calipari at Kentucky, 49-53 and against the spread in Lexington. So as happy as Big Blue Nation is today, those in Big Blue Nation blindly investing in Kentucky basketball this season are staring at a 7-14 record against the spread, one of the worst point spread records in the entire nation. Ken Pomeroy says Kentucky wins this game. But only by a score of 70-69 to next week. I'll be very interested to see the line in this game. Any number over a possession means I'm going to look to take the Gators in this spot. But with the public perception now that Kentucky's back, that line might be hiked up to a little more value than we would like to see. A little less value if you want to take the Kentucky side of things. Because Kentucky is public of a betting team, as you'll find in college basketball in the desert. But there's one question and one question only regarding this Kentucky basketball team today, February 21st. Is it too little, too late? If you're the Big Blue Nation today, you have to be happy with this three-game winning streak, especially after starting the season 5 and thirteen. But if 35-year-old rookie Major League Baseball pitcher Jim Morris taught us anything over 20 years ago, it's never too late. And it isn't too late for this Kentucky team to make an NCAA tournament run. But the entire season comes down to playing in and winning the SEC tournament final three weeks from today. Nothing else matters. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. Coming up, we will look at the rest of the world of college basketball from a handicapping perspective, including our bracketology 101 class for the upcoming NCAA tournament, looking at coaches who get you money out in the desert and burn your brackets in the offices. But first, I am third. I am third works to carry out that belief. A commitment to serve the city of Lexington and surrounding counties that bas- through basketball, soccer, equine, tennis, and a variety of other sports camps and recreation activities. They have some of the best camps in all of central Kentucky. Go make sure to get in contact with our friend Jeremy Hobbs, I am That is the letter I and then AM, the number three, RD.org. I am Dot org. ESPN Radio, 1300, 92.5. Shout out to my friend Big Play Jay down in the ATL. What's up, buddy? Wish I had Georgia Tech last night. How did they win that game? By so many. Anyway. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor. Thanks for joining us on this Sunday morning. Rest of college basketball yesterday. Number 13, West Virginia, two and a half point dog. They went down to Texas and uh, actually beat number 12, Texas, 84-82. Wish we had had that on our uh unranked Traps. But a game we did have in our unranked Traps, Kansas defeated number 15 Texas Tech by 6, winning and covering. So thank you to the Jayhawks for adding to our unranked Traps uh, record. Very impressive. We'll get to those in just a minute. A game I was so scared about for Virginia, one of my favorite teams. Duke, two and a half point dog, actually upset Virginia who was ranked number 7 going into last night. They won by one point. So uh, yeah, Duke's still alive. You've put their finger, you've finger on your wrist, yeah, you still have a little bit of a pulse for Duke to make the tournament. Another upset last night, Arizona, Sean Miller somehow still has a job, only God knows that one. Six-point dog, they go to USC and uh, defeat number 17, USC, yesterday. But of course, the game around here that caught a lot of people's eye, North Carolina, 99-54 over Louisville. North Carolina was a a four-and-a-half-point favorite that game. Uh, That's what you call a rocking chair win out in the desert. Uh, If you had Louisville in, what, 44 and a half? You still lost in that one. Congratulations to North Carolina for putting Louisville in their place. Uh, A lot of Big Blue Nation, I'm sure, is happy about that. But don't look now. March is approaching very quickly. Thank God after this week of snow and ice. Maybe the COVID will dry out this summer. But we're cruising into the month synonymous with college basketball. And trust me when I tell you that ESPN Radio 1392.5 should be your home if you're betting the thrilling tournament action from the conference tournaments to the March Madness. I will confidently put our offerings up on this show against anyone else's in this market regarding the uh, the tournament. And in fact, the powers that be here at ESPN Radio have given me a special one-hour bottom-line bracketology spectacular that'll be airing Tuesday, March 16th, when John Clay, the Lexington Herald leader, and I will go over every single NCAA tournament game from a handicapping perspective. Whether you're heading out to the sports book or you're betting, uh, you're putting your brackets in at the office pool, try to beat March from accounting. So make sure you are locked into us here at ESPN Radio thirteen hundred ninety two point five. You can hear every NCAA tournament game and give and give your angles uh, to why you won't hear anything else like this at Lexington. I can promise you that. But the biggest question in college basketball right now is it a foregone conclusion that Gonzaga and Baylor? are headed to the Final Final Four. Out in the desert, you actually have to lay odds out there. You have to lay about minus 300 just to get back 100 if you think Gonzaga is going to make the Final Four. You have to lay about 250 on Baylor. And as we discussed last week, a popular prop in the desert right now is whether you would take the tandem of Gonzaga and Baylor to win the tournament, or would you rather take the field of all the other 355 teams... The field has gotten a push this week, so you may have to lay money to get like a minus 125, minus 130 if you want to take the field. But still, the fact that this prop is even offered speaks volumes to how dominant Baylor and especially Gonzaga has been this season. But Mark Few, the coach of Gonzaga, the new face of college basketball. No, it's not Coach K. It's not John Calipari. Once upon a time, Gonzaga and Mark Few, they were the underdog who coached And Mark Few coached those Gonzaga teams to the highest of their abilities and they played the role of Cinderella every year in March. The small school, long shot theme, that's what they were doing. Yeah, but that's old news now. For the first time in Fuse 20 years at Gonzaga, Gonzaga's going to enter the tournament as the consensus favorite to win this thing. And at several books out in the desert, every other team on the Futures board is getting double-digit odds other than Gonzaga and Baylor. With Gonzaga having the most money on them, Baylor second. Those two have more money on them by a country mile over the third place team, according to a sportsbook director I heard talk about it uh, in the desert this week. But many college hoops better sweat out these games on a daily basis in college basketball. Gonzaga hasn't been forced to sweat out an, an outcome in more than two months. Gonzaga sitting at 22-0, and They've won 19 games in a row by double digits as they just waltz through the weak West Coast Conference. Of course, Baylor, they've been tested a few times in the Big 12, arguably the toughest conference in the country, but they haven't even played since Groundhog's Day. So do we really trust Baylor at this point? Eh, kind of. Yeah, I do. But I trust Gonzaga a little more. But what has Gonzaga coach Mark Few done in the NCAA Tournament? In the last 15 tournaments, Mark Few, Gonzaga, 15-23 and 23 against the spread. And when he's favored, like he will be the entire tournament this year, Few's Gonzaga's teams are 9-15 and 15 against the spread. So if you're looking at brackets, four years, Gonzaga's season ended in a tournament game they were favored to win. There's te- There's coaches and teams worse than that. We'll get to those in just a minute. So although Gonzaga has often been the wonderful Cinderella underdog story that CBS loves to promote, the real world says they burn tickets when they're favored in March. So buyer beware based on history. But why wouldn't a team like Gonzaga finish the season an undefeated national champion, a quirky COVID crazy season heading into March like this one is, leaving all the typical blue bloods at the door trying to get into this tournament Teams like Duke, who's on the wrong side of the bubble right now, and their coach was crying all season long when they started losing games in December. Kansas, North Carolina, U.S., UCLA, they're only flirting with trying to make the tournament. In the NBA playoffs, the superior team always gets through. They always advance in a long best-of-seven series. But the NCAA tournament, one and done. It's more volatility. It's more chaos. Chaos and anarchy. It's what we love here on the bottom line. The top-heavy futures board out in the desert, favoring Gonzaga and Baylor, means odds and their values exist for a lot of other teams that could just heat up and come up with these surprising Cinderella runs in that Indianapolis bubble next week. The third betting choice right now in the desert for the NCAA tournament, Michigan. They're the third favorite. They're 10-1 to 1 to win it all. We're going to talk more about Michigan in their game today against Ohio State coming up. Villanova, Virginia, two of my personal favorites over the last decade, they're two proven recent powers that seem to be under the radar. And a lot of wise guys out in the desert have picked some of their favorites. A lot of people like Florida State, Houston. We'll talk about them later today as well. Illinois, Iowa, those are teams that you know, they have the old puncher's chance. They have a puncher's chance. And then teams like really off the radar, Alabama. And Oklahoma, those are teams garnering some wise guy attention out in the desert. So if you're looking for teams that could knock off Gonzaga and Baylor in the tournament, those are probably your best choices. But the tournament, we're really looking forward to it here on uh, ESPN Radio. Baylor and Gonzaga, take them or the field? That's the big question in college basketball right now. Before we get to our unranked traps that are on fire, we've got a degenerate alert. Of course, this is the show for degenerates. And the common folk, but still. By the way, sports gamblers call themselves degenerates. I don't, you know, that's just stereotyping and mean, but I digress. Why does every sports gambler have to be a degenerate sports gambler? That's another story for another day. But there's something happening down the road in my old hometown of Richmond. And that we, we talk about it on our Twitter page all the time. At Bottom Line Lex, we haven't addressed it on this show, but it is helping a few people out there make a lot of money. Eastern Kentucky basketball its cashing tickets. You never thought it would happen. Yeah, they're 18-6 and six on the season, but they're scoring a ton of points. More importantly, they're scoring a lot of points in the first halves of games. A.W. Hamilton, their coach, he's in his third season as coach there. If you've blindly taken Eastern to go over the point total out in the desert in the first half, your record would be 51 wins, 22 losses, that's a very nice percentage, 69.9% in three seasons. And that includes going 15-3 and in the first half over this year. Eastern has three more regular season games all in the next six days. Blindly play those games first half over. You might wind up 2-1, and, and that's a profit. Because history tells us it's one of the best trends in college basketball right now. You heard it here first. You could thank us later. So, yes, Eastern basketball, they score a lot of points, especially early in the games. Look it up. We've been cashing. Hope you have, too. So let's get into this week's unranked traps. What are the unranked traps, you ask? It's where we find unranked teams to take down the ranked teams. Sometimes it's the lower-ranked teams to take down teams ranked higher than they are. The David versus Goliath of the world. If you followed these all season long, you've gone 18-3 and three straight up. 16-5 and against the spread. We'll take 16-5 and every every day of the week against the spread. We love that. We have three games for this week. Today, number four, Ohio State, and number three, Michigan. They meet in Columbus. Michigan's a two-point favorite in this game. Take Ohio State. They're going to win this game. Michigan, yes, they're really good. Very balanced offensive defense. This is Ohio State's game. They're at home. Ohio State wins a close one today. We'll take Ohio State. That's a lower-ranked trap. An unranked trap we like Thursday. Number 17, USC. They're going to unranked Colorado. Take the Buffaloes. Take Colorado to take down number 17, USC. And then next week, number 12, Texas, travels to number 15, Texas Tech. This is a lower-ranked trap. Texas Tech will be favored in this one, probably by a possession or less. Get Texas Tech. Take Texas Tech to win and cover that game. So there you have it. Our three unranked traps for this week. Number four, Ohio State over number three, Michigan, today. Unranked Colorado over number 17, USC, next week, excuse me, on Thursday. And then number 15, Texas Tech over number 12 to Texas to win and cover. All those win and cover. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Take those bad boys to the desert and smoke them. But now our bracketology 101 class. Who are the best coaches to back in the NCAA tournament in the last 15 years, both out in the desert and in your bracket pools? Keep in mind, we're only going over coaches projected by Joe Lenardi to actually make the, tur- the tournament. I can sit here wax poetic about Billy Donovan, Florida, John Beeline at Michigan, but what's good is that going to do? They're both not coaching anymore. So here are the best coaches in the tournament in the last 15 years. Just straight up, Roy Williams, 36-11. and 11, Bill Self, Kansas, 33-13. Jay Wright, Villanova, 25-11. and 11. Where's John Calipari, you ask? He's 42-12. and 12. In the last 15 tournaments. No coach in America has won more NCAA tournament games the last 15 years than John Calipari. That's what happens when you make five Final Fours in 15 years. But it also makes you wonder how he only won one of those tournaments, especially when he got to three final games. Okay, I'm just piling on now. But straight up favorites is losers. Who are the coaches that burn your brackets? These are the coaches who lose games in the NCAA tournament when they're favored to win out in the desert. And they just make you rip up your brackets and throw them in the trash can. Bill Self at Kansas. He has lost nine times in the last 15 tournaments when he's a favorite. So, in other words, he disappointed you. How many times have you taken Kansas in the last 30 years in your brackets and gotten burned? We all have. I have so many times, I can't count them. But the two other coaches, Rick Barnes at both Texas and Tennessee, Jay Wright at Villanova, seven times in the last 15 years. We're going to get a little deeper into Rick Barnes in just a moment. But yeah, Jay Wright, disappointed for quite a few years before finally winning the tournament. I think once they got rid of that girl who was the was it the flute player, piccolo player, and she was crying that year, they won two of the next three championships after that. That's neither here nor there. Where's Calipari, you ask? Well, he's lost 10 times in the NCAA tournament when he was favored to win. Nobody has lost more. That includes seven in Kentucky. Don't forget, Calipari has lost... Eight tournament games in Kentucky, and seven of those eight, he was favored to win out in the desert. Think about that for a minute. But Calipari's in good company. Coach K down at Duke has done the same thing. He's lost 10 times in the last 15 years when he was favored to win in the tournament. But unlike Calipari, uh, Coach K has won two titles in the last 15 years. But he's got you know a lot of other games he wasn't supposed to lose too. Then again, Duke probably isn't making the tournament this year anyway, so why are we bothering who are the best coaches for you to take against the spread out in the desert during the NCAA tournament? One of our favorites, Dana Altman in Oregon. He's fifteen and five last fifteen years in the tournament. Andy Enfield, who is coaching USC. He's seven and zero in the tournament against the spread. And sorry, Big Blue Nation, Chris Mack at both Xavier and Louisville, fourteen and six. Who are the worst coaches in America? against the spread. They will burn your tickets and you'll be ripping them up and walking out of the casino. Of course, Rick Barnes, Texas and Tennessee. Last 15 tournaments, he is 7 and 17 against the spread. That's bad. Rick Barnes is the worst coach in America against the spread of the tournament. Mark Few, we talked about him earlier, 15 and 23, and here's a one that shocked me, Lon Kruger, UNLV, Oklahoma, 7 and 13 against the spread. There's a shocker for you. Where is Calipari, you ask? He's, in his last 15 years, Calipari in the NCAA tournament, 31-22 and with three pushes. That's how tight these lines are. So Calipari, that's 58.5%. As much as we hate taking Cal in the regular season, and the numbers back us up, he's that good in the NCAA tournament. So although I'd like a refund on that 2008 championship game, when I had Calipari and Memphis as a a one-and-a-half-point favorite and they had a nine-point lead with two minutes to go and somehow still lost. Okay, I digress, but there you go. The coaches that have proven to be worth your time and not worth your time in the last 15 NCAA tournaments. Coming up after the break, of course, it's our most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks. But first, we say it all the time. In the real world, a friend in need is a pest, but on the bottom line... A friend in need is really a pest. And if you have the unwanted pests in your home, call our good friend Matt Schaefer at IPM Pest and Termite. They have decades of experience here in Lexington, and they are the best in the business of what they do. So check out IPM Pest and Termite today, myipm.com. That's myipm.com. That's IPM Pest and Termite, your neighborhood pest professional. ESPN Radio, 1300, 92.5. I am so sorry. I keep rambling. I've got so much information and so much material. I've got more than an hour's worth of stuff. So we got to get to work here. It's time for the most profitable segment elected to radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks. Last week, well, we took one on the chin when, this, when we went against Michigan. But Michigan and Ohio State today. Number three, Michigan. Number four, Ohio State. Michigan sitting a two-point favorite out in the desert. Ken Pomeroy says Ohio State wins this game 75-74. And I want to agree with them. and here's our favorite trend for this game. When top five teams are matching up against each other, that's rare, but when it happens, always take the underdog when there's two top five teams facing each other. When it happens in the regular season, since 2005, the underdog wins 38 and loses 24. That's 61%. So the underdog here is who we'll take. Ken Pomeroy agrees with us. Vegas says, well, we like Michigan. We'll take Ohio State getting those two points with our trend that we like, the underdog in top five games. We'll take Ohio State straight-up winner. We don't want the points. We don't need the points. Eh, We'll take the points anyway. Yeah, give us Ohio State plus two. And there's another one with ranked teams. Cincinnati is a big double-digit dog at Houston today. Houston has been an analytical darling so far. Ken Palm loves them. They're ranked number 6 in the country right now. But Ken Pomeroy says that Houston will win this game 75-61. Houston's hitting it 17-3 right now, but they've lost two of their last three. And a trend that we really like for this game, and we used it yesterday uh, on the Kentucky-Tennessee game, if you follow us on Twitter, at BottomLineLex, when you find poor ATS teams, that's against the spread, poor teams out in the desert against good Teams out in the desert, any team hitting 33% or less this year against the spread, today that's Cincinnati, and then they're growing up against a team that has hit more than 50% of their games against the spread out in the desert, that's Houston. The poor team covers 55% of the time in a sample size of over 3,400 games since 2005. So we'll take Cincinnati getting those 13 points today. So those are our Mac Daddy Stogies for today, if you'd like some action. We love Ohio State getting a couple in Columbus against Michigan. And we'll take Cincinnati getting a few too many down in Houston. Akeem Olajuwon ain't walking through that door. Clyde Drexler ain't walking through that door. We'll take Cincinnati getting a bunch down in Houston today. Uh, Some NFL news that we saw this week that I wanted to get to. Carson Wentz traded by the Eagles to the Colts for magic beans, it seems, uh, depending on playing times, how the draft picks that uh, Philly will get for them. But the Eagles could have held out and probably gotten a better deal, surely, but uh, but please don't call me Shirley. They just wanted Wentz to get out of there, so that's all they wanted. Wentz was going to be the MVP of the league in 2018 before he was injured. Of course, we all know what happened after that. Nick Foles took his place, led the Eagles to their first and only Super Bowl win in franchise history. But since that Super Bowl, Carson Wentz has been a disaster for the Eagles and out in the desert. In games Wentz has started for the Eagles in those three years since that Super Bowl, Philadelphia went 14-25 and against the spread in those three seasons. In fact, in the last three seasons, no quarterback was worse in the entire National Football League than Carson Wentz covering the point spread. Nobody was worse than 14-25. and When Carson Wentz was not the starter for the Eagles, the Eagles went 6-3 against the spread. You can give me all the pro football focus ratings you want, but you don't think the NFL brass, they don't see things like that, not being able to cover point spreads? Yeah, the NFL is the OG in terms of point spreads. So, yeah, they notice. So did Carson Wentz. Did he get a raw deal in Philadelphia? Maybe but he'd done nothing the last three years to Eagles fans but burn their tickets. So guys like that, uh, when guys like us trying to pick winners, we have no problem whatsoever seeing him leave town, and that's the bottom line. But, of course, we'll be right back after this break. We've got to set up the day on ESPN Radio. We're going to set up the Angelo Show at the top of the hour, all kinds of stuff coming up right after this. But first, Clark's Auto Service. All this week, I had to drive around town, and my... Car just ran like it was nothing was wrong with it, and there wasn't an ice storm outside because Clark's Auto Service fixed my heat right before the wintertime, and I was uh, having to roll the windows down. It was so warm in my car. Our good friend Bill Clark, Ethan Hall out there, Clark's Auto Service. Make sure to check them out. Clark's Auto They're the best in the business at fixing cars. Clark's Auto ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. I rambled on way too long today, and I apologize. Make sure to tune in, top of the hour. We've got the Angelo Show. I'm sure he'll have plenty to say about Kentucky basketball hot streak, so make sure to tune in for the hardest working man in ESPN Radio, Angelo Carriero. He will be with you at the top of the hour. Today on ESPN Radio, Celtics and Pelicans at 3 o'clock today. Celtics, two-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. Also in the ESPN family of networks today, 3 o'clock, Hank 105.5. It's NASCAR. Today's race is called... The O'Reilly Auto Parts 253. Why settle for 253, we don't know, but we'll figure that out. Uh, Yeah, so make sure Hank 105.5 NASCAR at 3 o'clock today. Thanks for joining us, as always. Follow us on Twitter at BottomLineLex. Email anytime, BottomLineLex at gmail.com. And until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.